Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing life by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force at various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. You thinking outside the box. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. My name is Mindy Harley. And this is another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with today's guest, Adam Lamb, author of Better Than the Binge. Now, most of us, we do enjoy our alcohol. You know, it's socially acceptable. We have the beers on the weekend at the game. We have a glass of wine after a long day of work. But there's always that time where it gets a little bit out of hand. You wake up a little more foggy than you wanted to. You don't come into work as sharp as you need to be. And sometimes in the back of your mind, you're like, this needs to stop. You swear off alcohol for a while, but before you know it, there's another social event that you have to attend. And the next thing you know, you're back to square one. Well, Adam decided to make a change and he wrote better than the binge to help create self-awareness around alcohol consumption and how removing alcohol can benefit your life. So if this is something that might bring a little bit of value to you and help you take that next step towards removing alcohol, tune in because we're going to get started right now. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm excited to get to talk to you about your new book that you have out and it's called Better Than the Binge and this is something kind of that really piqued my interest because just the other day I was actually having this conversation with a close girlfriend of mine about wanting to, you know, see what we could do without consuming alcohol. And this is right up your alley. So tell me a little bit more about this book. Yeah, thank, thanks so much, Mindy, for having me on the show. Um, I'm excited to, to talk to you and you know, share the story a little bit with yeah. uh, your listeners and hopefully uh, provide some value. So, uh, quick backstory, you know, so myself personally, um, as far as like relationship with alcohol, yeah, I worked in like the nightclub industry and things like that. So like that whole club party scene, uh, was very like second nature to me growing up, mostly through my twenties. And then, you know, you get married, kids, and, and I actually, you know, I got into bodybuilding as well. And you know, so that, party stuff kind of goes to the wayside um but still still somewhat a part of life and whether it's going to concerts or you know going out you know like we you know my wife and I do date nights and we wouldn't go out and tear it up we might split a bottle of wine or something like that but you know maybe you go out to a tailgate or you go on vacation with some friends and kind of get after or something like that on the beach and you know as you get older I think you just your body pays for it a little bit more too yeah um and so that, you know, that was more the relationship with it and kind of where I'm at with being an, you know, an entrepreneur. And I, I consider myself a, a lifestyle optimizer. And someone the other day asked me what that means. And it, and it really just means like being the absolute best I can. So whether it's, you know, from health, working out, eating right, um, having a healthy relationship with myself, you know, personally and all that stuff and, and kind of going through like a self-assessment. I was like, I was looking for my kryptonite and I was like, you know, alcohol 
has always kind of been a back of the mind um, concern of mine, mostly because I had family situation that was, you know, I had a father who was an alcoholic could actually drink himself to death. Um, and that was a big impact. And, and I just kind of saw, um, and I'll tell you a little bit about that story in a second, Yeah. but I saw that, that how that affected his life negatively. And obviously his son, me, uh, negatively. And I was like, you know, this is something that I, I, don't, I don't want for myself. And I, and I knew that it was always in the back of my mind, but you know how sometimes like we have things in our life that bother us, or, but you know, it's back of mind. So it's not, you know, yeah. think about it all the time, but it's still there. You know, it's yeah. still, it's like that chore you need to do that you just haven't done yet. That's just still weighing on you. And it, it, alcohol is kind of like that in my life. So, you know, growing up, my, my father was an alcoholic. My parents were divorced, and that which was part of it. Um, and after he retired, he lived in Florida. I was in Michigan. He just would drink every day, like hang out in his garage and drink. And you know, I'm not there to see, so I didn't really know what was going on. And uh, eventually, it got to the point where my cousins were like, "Hey, your dad's not well." And I called my stepmom. They're like, "All right, let's get him in rehab." And uh, after they got him in rehab, they found that he like he drank himself like almost like it's called like alcohol dementia so we kind of destroyed the frontal lobe of his brain oh, to where wow. he was basically permanently intoxicated yeah so even no alcohol you know he just wasn't he just wasn't there and it was scary because he was like 60 you know what i mean and i'm like man 60 is young especially nowadays and i think of like how much i love life and family and all, all the ambitious goals and things like that I was just like, I don't have time for it. And, and so when, when he passed away, I was like, you know what? That's going to be my, that, that's going to be my reason to do it. Just to quit. That was kind of like, I need an excuse. And it took me a year from the time I said I was gonna to do it. And, uh, I kind of decided one day, you know, about a year after it's kind of like coming up on the one year anniversary of his death. And I was like, now's the time. And, uh, I did it. And then, you know, we kind of, move forward into all the things I dealt with and changes and all that stuff, which inspired me to write the book. Uh, and it was the best decision I ever made. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 you don't realize it, you know, a lot of things, uh, I'm sure you can think about things you decided in life. You're like, eh, and you do it. And you're like, Oh my God, it was so, it, it's just so profound of a change in your life that, yeah, for me, I was like, how can I help more people that may potentially, have this as like a, you know, a hurdle in their life. Yeah. And uh, so I wrote the book. Huh. That was a much more deeper why than I was ever anticipating to be so closely affected <laughs> like that with your father, you know? I mean, I was thinking something along the lines of, you know, just, uh, yeah, like you said, maybe like a bar scene kind of thing. It was inhibiting you know, your your daily work days or a little bit more deeper within yourself personally in your day-to-day, -day, but to have it be so closely connected to a family member and the repercussions from you know that kind of consumption at that level. Did Was that something that your dad, like growing up with your dad, that um, he had always drank like that? Or you know, did it start kind of later on in life? Yeah, he always did. And then, you know, when I was someone that I started drinking in the latter part of high school, you know, like weekend parties, things like that. Yeah. And then, you know, working in the nightclubs, drinking and bartending, you know, I bartended for years. And so it was all very second nature. You know, like I still have my group of buddies that those guys will be out drinking tonight, watching Monday night football. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that just, 
and, and, I, and I think of that group when I, you know, in the spoken sense of, you know, I think of some, some people in my life that I really care about. And I, and I think and I can look at them and say, you know, I bet you if alcohol wasn't an option in their life, things may be a little bit better. And, and I don't think people realize it until they remove the alcohol. Um, and, and in most cases, people don't realize that they can. And so for me, I was probably, a, I was a daily drinker. I mean, I still, like in my bodybuilding years, I didn't, you know, because, you know, you and I both know that if you were trying to make gains and yeah. you know, build muscle and all that stuff, alcohol just doesn't. I mean, you can't have two beers and you're done. You know, just kill yeah. all the all the work you put into it. And so uh, for me, like, you know, where I'm at now in life or where I was when I decided to quit drinking, I was just really um, focused on business, uh, you know, working in the evenings, things like that. And I was a daily drinker. I'd have a couple glasses of wine or a couple vodkas or something like that. Never drinking in excess or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it, it was something I took a look back and I was like, you know what? There's no way. I'm not giving 100%. There's, you're never, ever giving 100% if you're consuming alcohol, right? Like, I don't care how good you think you are. You're not. And, and so that was something that I looked back and I was like, you know what? This is, I need to make a change. And, and, uh, and I just decided, like, there's, I couldn't think of any reason, well, like a positive reason to keep alcohol in my life. It just no longer served me. And I was like, I'm going to pull it out and just figure it out. And uh, that first 30, 60, 90 days was challenging. And, and, but I went through it. And through going through all that, I was like, holy cow. Like, you know, I, I could really share this with a lot of people that I think could benefit because – I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times people are like, you know, I think of drinking or I think of quitting alcohol, but how do you do it? How do you avoid the, you know, the, the parties, the, the social obligations? And, uh, and this book really highlights that. Yeah, because I mean, especially from bodybuilding, you know, you usually tend to avoid a lot of those situations. And then you kind of have that excuse. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm prepping for a show. I can't and stuff. And then it's like, how do you go about, you know, still attending those events and abstaining and then still having that, you know, excuse of, well, I, I just don't, I just don't drink. Did you find it hard? Did people question you when you're out? Like your reason why, when you're like, no, I'll, I'll pass on that. Or, you know, <laughs> like, what did they say? Yeah. Yeah. Especially. So, I mean, there's a couple of groups, right? Like you have your, your group of friends at the, at the time I lived in the lake. And so like, that's what you do. You get out in the lake in the summertime, you tie boats up, have a couple of drinks. Yeah. And so, uh, I was at the end of that, so it was like right after Labor Day is when I decided to quit. And it, it's pretty okay for like after the summer, like you're drinking, you're eating crap in the boat. And, and so what I did is I just was like, hey, you know, I'm kind of doing a 30-day detox. It was like, oh, you know, and they, they got it. And I'm like, yeah, I need to get back to the gym and, and blah, blah, blah. And it, coming from that fitness background and kind of knowing as a guy who was like always kind of fit and very conscious of that, nobody questioned it. Um, even... You know, I'd go to Vegas for the Olympia for uh, mostly a bunch of meetings and things like that. And, you know, like working with, working with people in the fitness industry, it's not like a big go out and party thing, but there still is. So avoiding that, it was strange to go to Las Vegas and not drink. I mean, it was just, it was so weird to me, but I did it. And, um, and then I had a couple of pretty, pretty big social events that was awkward to just be like, no, I'm all set. And because people are like, can I get you wine? No. Nope. Can I get you drink? No. Nope. Can I get you beer? No. I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't need anything. I'll just take a diet cup. You know, because yeah. it, and that's with strangers. So it's like, you don't really want to like dive into an explanation. Um, 
But the bottom line was is I needed to have some sort of excuse. And uh, that was it. It was like an end of summer detox. And uh, so that kind of helped me. But as time went on, you know, like I had to hang out with some other friends that are like accustomed to me drinking. And and I think that where I'm at in life, um, I'm not by any means extremely successful or anything, but, but life's pretty good, right? I've got a great relationship with my wife, healthy, happy kids. Um, business is great. And I'm constantly do, you know, doing things, growing. And, and people know that I, that people close to me know that I'm kind of on that path. So when I make a decision that's a positive one, you know, quitting drinking is really never a negative. Um, it it wasn't as hard for me uh, from a question as far as getting questioned from other people. Yeah. Um, but it, but it still makes other people uncomfortable, and that was more of the, uh, the the part to navigate is if you and I were to get together for hey I don't let's, let's get together and chat. And I was like hey you know. Maybe you want to just meet and talk. Like, it might be weird, but as opposed to like, hey, maybe you want to get together and grab a drink. You're like, oh, you know, that's just, it's like a social yeah. crutch for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so those kind of things are weird. Just my buddy of mine's mind's like, he's like, you still quit drinking? I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm going to see if you want to have a beer. And I'm like, dude, I can, I can still meet you and hang out and talk. You know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. the, the engagement is more important than the, the beverage you consume, you know? And, when everybody kind of starts to realize that, um, it's very helpful. Yeah. And it's a, the, the first, yeah, the beginning was sort of a hurdle. And that's what inspired me to write the book is to really help lay out that path for others that might be looking to explore um, just removing alcohol from their life. Yeah. And you said like for the, like the first 30, 90 days, you know, was a little bit harder. Like was there any t- times that really tested your, I guess, your will in that? Or did you have, like, I mean, because is it, like you said, it's a detox. So were there times you're just like, oh, you know, today was a rough day. Like, I just really want a vodka right now. You know, like, how did you break through, yeah. bust through that? Uh, I, yeah, that's a great question. I think socially one event where I was, I was hanging out with a, some uh, friends and a lot of, like, retired pro athletes. And we were out to a super nice dinner. And I was hanging around some people I wanted to impress. You know what I mean? That I didn't want to feel awkward around to some uber successful folks. And... And it was weird when they're like, what are you drinking? Everybody's ordering, like, very nice wine. And, and I'm like, uh, Perrier? And, and everybody's like, whoop. Like, they, like, the music stopped ticking. And they're like, and I was like, yeah, I'm good. And, and, and it was it was awkward. That was the most awkward I felt. Um, because it, And that's when I really realized, like, that social uh, obligation of just ordering a drink because everyone else is. You know, it's like ordering dessert because other people are sometimes, you know. And, and it. But as far as like personally, you know, I, I'm pretty good with discipline and, and I kind of talk about a thing called uh, discipline deposits and which is, it, you know, and I think you with coming from the fitness background, you understand that like doing the, making those discipline deposits each day, whether it's your meals, your gym, the cardio, um, when you go to bed, that kind of stuff, like what you put into your, your day in your life, it pays you back if it's positive. And so for me, you know, when, when you make, I'm one of those people that the, the guilt of going back on something that I, I decided for myself would be way worse than that that short-term gratification. You know what I mean? To, yeah. if, if I couldn't do it, if I needed to have a drink, that's when I really was, I would have been like, hey, I got a problem and, and I need to go beyond this decision. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of what I wanted to, you know, with the book two to outline is it's, 
you don't have to remove alcohol because you have a problem, right? Like most people, it's, you tell them, yeah, I quit drinking. And like, Ooh, what happened? You know, like, did you mess around on your spouse? Did you get a DUI? Did you like, did, like yeah. something bad had to happen? You know, and I, and I had a good friend of mine who is a, he's, he's been, uh, he quit drinking about 20 something years ago and uh, kind of a mentor of mine. And he was like, what happened? I was like, nothing. He's like, come on, dude, we're about, we're close. What happened? I was like, nothing. He's like, that's, he goes, that's unusual. And I said, I know, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be unusual to just say, hey, I don't really want, I don't need alcohol anymore. You know, and, and as you go through the social times and hanging out and going to concerts, I have a better time. Yeah. You know, and, and it, and when you show people that too, I mean, it's amazing how many people that I've inspired that have questioned whether alcohol is good or bad in their life to, to stop. And, and they realize they're like, thank you so much. It's a, it's, there's this part of, you know, a deeper part too, that we can go into, but this like freedom of, I don't need that like everyone else does. And it's, it's cool. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like we've been socially conditioned for so long that, you know, it's acceptable. It's like, you know, it's breaking bread. You, you obviously, I guess, you know, alcohol lowers your inhibitions, you know, you open up, it makes it a little more uncomfortable around strangers and group settings. You know, so it's become almost a crutch for us to, you know, act, act like ourselves, but with the help of alcohol. And I, I think it's really something interesting to wrap your, your head around where the fact is like you really don't need it, you know? You don't. And, and I think also there's another part of it too with me, you know, I, I'm very much into like mindfulness and just you know, being in touch with myself and it, it sounds kind of goofy, but, but getting more on like a, a spiritual level and this is kind of what I'm going to talk about too, the alcohol pieces is, you know, I can sit down easier now with another human being and express myself way better, way more confident than I could ever before in my life. And, and why, and I say that and it, it's neat because what that does also is creates this, this comfort space with other people that are like, oh, I can be me around Adam. I don't need a drink in my hand. He doesn't judge. You know, it, it, yeah. creating that kind of uh, atmosphere, my relationships are so much stronger. It, you know, like if there's, if there's someone that my friends can confide in to share, they know it's me. And because there, there isn't that, you know, I think a lot of times when maybe people are sharing those conversations or meeting over a drink or meeting over a cocktail or something like that when they feel like, oh, now I can kind of share this and letting people know like, Hey, it's okay. And, and it, I guess, you know, removing alcohol and kind of announcing it to the world, so to speak, being vulnerable like that is what's also helped me allow other people to be more vulnerable, if that makes sense. And, uh, in that part of it, from a relationship standpoint, those are the kind of the things like people don't really gather until after I didn't, um, until, you know, well into, you know, 90 plus days after I quit is, is that level of empathy for others and being so vulnerable. It makes people so comfortable to know like, wow, when, when you're vulnerable, you know, if you and I were just having a conversation, you were sharing something pretty, you know, being vulnerable and sharing something pretty deep. And then I also would feel you know, like I could probably share something with Mindy now too. And then next thing you know, like that bond that we would have be, becomes tighter and, and a lot of times uh, I think that with alcohol it's kind of like the alcohol came out like that's why I was able to express myself or say some things and to be able to 
show people like, hey, we don't need alcohol to have a, a, a good deep conversation and be vulnerable with each other. It really, really helps uh, those relationships with, with my wife, with friends, you know, like my guy, guy, tough guys. Like it's amazing yeah. uh, uh, things that we were able to confide in each other. Yeah, definitely. I could see that. I mean, just being more raw and more vulnerable without, and then it's like, wait a second, you know, we're, we're doing this, we're having this conversation completely sober. There's no, you know, there's no alcohol, you know, getting in the mix of things. You don't, you don't wake up the next day and be like, oh shit, did I say too much? Or should I, should I really open up like that? You know, you gotta, you gotta clear your mind. It, it just, just like what you just said there too, there was a second kind of stage I was going to talk about with it um, on the same topic is you, that there's no regret, right? Like there's, there's no like, did I kind of silly last night or did I do something? You know what I mean? Like there's no like, I kind of, maybe, you know, like, if you've ever gone out, maybe you didn't eat enough and you're kind of like, Ooh, like, I don't know. It got after me. Something alcohol just went to my head. Yeah. You don't ever have to have that situation ever again in your life. And not only do you not have to do that, is you don't have to have the fear of that potentially happening. And what I've, you know, as I've grown in my business career and, I, and I've had some amazing opportunities with uh, relationships, people I've got a chance to meet, even if it's out to dinner or drinks or something like that, I'm not drinking. I know that I'm just going to be on my game, super sharp. And not only am I going to be on my game and super sharp, when you're not drinking, you're more, it gives me the, the ability to be more in tune with whomever I'm in the company of, right? So I'm listening, I'm paying attention, even if they're having a couple of drinks, I'm sharp, I'm paying attention, I'm looking at their body language. And, and it just gives me that much more of an edge um, to either be a better listener, you know, a better company to them, um, or whether it's a sales business situation, you're just more alert and in tune as opposed to, you know, you're three drinks in talking about a business deal that, you know, you might not be as sharp as uh, you could be. Yeah. And I mean, on the other end of that with them, whoever, whomever you're talking to at the time, I'm sure they've got it in the back of their mind. They've probably got to have to appreciate it. It makes a far better first impression uh, than anything else. It makes the experience like that much more memorable that they're going to walk away, you know, like, Hey, that Adam guy was super sharp and on his toes tonight. Really impressed with him. You know, I think I'm going to do that deal with him rather than, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, kind of a little questionable that one thing he said but uh, okay <laughs> yeah or just you're blabbing away you know sometimes yeah. you get a couple of drinks in you and you're just like blah 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 yeah. <laughs> and that can sometimes you know people stop listening on both sides and next thing you know no one's paying attention to each other they're just, they're just talking and uh, being a little goofy yeah but I definitely think being a little bit more uh, being sober will definitely make you more aware when that time actually happens and when to uh, zip it and you know kindly excuse yourself, <laughs> right? Rather than be the, exactly. the guy that continues uh, rambling on with that. So you know, as far as business side, like can can you maybe think of a time, you know, being that you're an entrepreneur, you know, back when you were drinking and stuff, compared to now um being completely sober has there been um a difference in say like uh productivity um you know being more um in the moment uh with you know your business dealings from day to day like can you do you have like two situations you can, you can compare side by side yeah i think it 
what what may sound strange, and, and I and I know this for a fact, just because of other folks that have kind of went down this path um, that I've spoke with and, and talked to about. Um, you are just sharper, and it and it sounds I me mean, like if you get into the science of it, um, taking away something, you know, alcohol. It's not good for you, right? There's no, I mean, there's the people say the thing like, oh, a glass of wine a day is actually good. Like, that's all bullshit. Just stop. There's plenty of other things that are healthy for you that you can do instead of a glass of wine. And that if you're if you're a regular drinker, even like a two to three times a day, or I'm sorry, two to three times a week uh, <laughs> consu- consumer of alcohol, yeah. your brain does not function as good as it does without even just, I mean, this getting into the science of like the dehydration process, um, you know, alcohol inhibiting brain cell function and things like that. Yeah. It, it sounds goofy, but into that, like post 90 day mark, I just felt smarter. My, de- I, like I can make decisions better, more clear. Um, I found myself like, you know, as an entrepreneur and I'm sure like yourself, like solving problems is what we have to do, right? Like that's, if someone says, Adam, what are you good at? It is creativity and solving problems. And so whoever can solve the problems the best and the fastest can usually win and it, and it saves time and, and obviously a ton of money in business. And so I found myself able to solve problems and find solutions to things faster. Um, I found myself more patient dealing with people and things. Um, like I said, it goes back to that empathy. Um, mm-hmm. There's a level of empathy that I now have that I, I didn't have. And, and part of the reason is, guess what? When you have a rough day and you're used to going home and having a couple drinks and not dealing with the shit, and now you don't get to, you got to deal with the shit. And the more you deal with it, the more the better you become. It's just like, it's just like going to the gym, right? You go in there and you want to bench press 135 pounds. Oh, you can't get it once. You're, you're sore for three days. Eventually you're adding weight to it. You can't wait to go to the gym. You're skipping other engagements to get in there. And that's what really happens to you too. When, when you remove the alcohol and you actually have to deal with the uncomfortable social situations, you have to deal with a tough day. You come home, wife's had a bad day too. The kids are driving me freaking crazy. And I'm like, Oh my God, a drink is going to make it all go away. It doesn't make it go away. It just makes you not have to deal with it. And when you really, really start having to deal with those things and you remove that crutch, and, you know, a lot of people, it's food, right? I think yeah. you and I both know that with, with the industry we're in, that people, maybe it's their ice cream. Maybe it's whatever it is that's holding you back. And, and for me, it was alcohol. And, and I think that when you take that away and you really have to deal with everything straight-faced, you get better at it. And then it's like you become unstoppable. Like that's kind of that mindset of mine is like I'm unstoppable because what could have held me back was the alcohol because maybe I would have reached for that instead of overcoming the problem. And now I just got to, I got to deal with it. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no fold, folding up or pouring a drink. And it's really, really helped me um, grow and, and uh, overcome adversity much better. Yeah, well, the more you have to keep confronting it head on and rather than going for the drink, I mean, that's more times the blade gets sharpened over and over, you know, so I can definitely, I can definitely see that. And I mean, at, at what point does, you know, having a drink really make the situation go away? It's, you know, it's the same thing, you know, like with food or anyone that, you know, for especially for myself, I can think, you know, back in, you know, my younger 
younger, younger years that I was an emotional eater. So when I was stressed, you know, I would eat, but it definitely wouldn't make the problem go away. That's for sure. It just helped pack on the weight, if anything else. I still have to deal with it which, eventually. Which creates more problems. It's the same with drinking, whether it's staying out at the bar, um, you're out late, you're not getting enough sleep, you're you're not as good as you could be the next day, uh, you're spending money on alcohol that maybe you don't have, and it, it really just doesn't add up. And so going through you know, kind of what we're talking about, I went through a lot of this stuff with myself and I was like, it just doesn't make sense. You know, and, and I'm not anti-alcohol, right? So like, let's say, uh, the, the four of us are all going to get together for dinner and you guys want to drink wine. Like, great. I'll, I'll buy dinner. I'll pay for it. You know? And I still, when I go to the grocery store, I still buy the wine because my wife still has a glass of wine or two every few days, you know, two or three times uh, a week. Yeah. And I know wine better than she does. So I buy good stuff for her, you know? And so it's, it's not a, anti-alcohol uh, mentality it's just more of like it wasn't for me if it's something you want to hear about I'll tell you about it you know what I mean and, and, and that approach also creates a safe space for people to have that conversation yeah no definitely and as far as like when that and when you first decided too with the with the wife you know and she still enjoys her wine and stuff was that something that she asked you was like you know how do you feel is this, is this you know are you comfortable with me still having wine like what was the conversation there? Yeah, it, not so much because her and I have a we're really good with how we communicate with each other. Yeah. Um, but I found it more so with like other friends or family members. Like uh, I had a gathering at my house. I think it was like Thanksgiving. And my brother's like, "Hey, is it cool if I bring beer?" And I was like, "No," because I have a fridge full of beer and a bunch of wine. Like, what do you guys want? I went to the grocery store and scooped everything up. And he's like, "Oh, oh, okay, it's cool." I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. And so, uh, you know, you just, you, you kind of navigate through those things and let people know like, Hey, it's okay. You know, like I'll go grab people drinks at the bar and bring them over. You know, what are you, what are you guys drinking? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it's a lot. It makes it eventually, I guess, you know, they, they catch on that, you know, you're not demonizing them for their decisions or choices. It's just strictly a personal choice. Which I mean, right. you know, when you look at it, I mean, it's got so much, you know, it reduces your metabolic rate. I mean, it lowers your testosterone levels, you know, and have you obviously noticed a better performance in the gym? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, even, even it was funny, like, you know, after probably 90, hundred days in and my wife's like, you look younger. And I looked at pictures and I could tell pictures of me when I was drinking. And since I quit drinking, I just look better. And there was no like. You know, you got to imagine if you if you have a couple of drinks a day, that's at least three, four, five hundred calories that you're not consuming anymore. You know what I mean? And so that alone, and you're not dehydrating yourself. Like even you know, people don't realize a couple of drinks pulls that water out of your muscles and things like that, stops protein synthesis, yeah. um, things like that, and it creates an issue. Hey, you have a real quick. Are you able? This is funny. Are you able to pause and like cut this? Because my, my son is like, wait, I, I super apologize, but oh, can you give me 30 seconds? Yeah, no worries. Okay, I'm so sorry. Hold on.
Mindy there? Yep. All right, I'm totally sorry. Yeah, my wife just had surgery on Monday. She had umbilical surgery, so she's laid out my son. I was just, I don't know, I had to oh, go yeah, check on right, him, so right. I apologize for that. So we were talking about the fitness aspect of it. Yes, and looking younger and photos. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think that, that that part of it, too, just sometimes like just waking up in the morning and – yeah, you look at yourself in the mirror when you get up. If you're into fitness and you know you work out regularly, and I just look better, I felt more confident. Not to mention, if you're staying up having a couple drinks in the evening, you're probably less likely to get up and go to the gym. You know, part of my routine was I get up and go to the gym in the morning. So if I was up working late and maybe I got after a couple drinks, two, three, four, and then you wake up the next morning, you're like. Ugh, do I want to go to the gym? And then you're like kind of forcing yourself and then you're, you just, you, you don't get through the workouts like you would. And then what it, it creates a burden, right? So then you're like disappointed in yourself. And that's one of the bigger parts too, for I think that regular drinker to realize is those burdens that you deal with, um, whether it's you, you went out drinking, stayed up late, didn't get your thing stuff done for school or for work. Uh, maybe you uh, you didn't get up and go to the gym. Maybe you decided to eat something you shouldn't have eaten. Right? You have a couple of drinks. Like oh, I want Taco Bell, or I want to. You know, hell, I'm going to have a piece of pizza or something like that. Because well, yeah, a lot of we all know. Bad, yeah, bad decisions happen more often after yeah. you drink than when we don't. Right? And yeah. I think everybody out there who's who's had some drinks in their life can think of a time that they've made some bad decisions uh, when when they're drinking. And so, like, if if you're somebody who never drinks, you know, like uh, I think of my business partner with my supplement company, he doesn't, you know, he never drinks. It, it's not something that he's into. He's like, I don't really get it, you know. And I'm like, but it's important to understand those around you that might, right? And to be able to, to see, like, hey, you know, Jim at the office throws back, like, five or six drinks every time we go out and like how to maybe create a more comfortable atmosphere. Like instead of saying, Hey Jim, let's go meet at the bar, hang out after work, like go do something else that doesn't put that person in a situation where they might be more likely to drink. Yeah. And if you're somebody who drinks pretty heavily regularly, um, I think the book can help show just some different ideas to, you know, a, a ton of ideas. Actually, I, I'm, how you're really hurting yourself outside of, you know, what the, the day-to-day consequences, right? Like, so you don't have to have terrible things happen to you that to make alcohol bad, there's usually a pile of little, little things that all add up to, to maybe not have the most abundant life that you possibly could. Yeah. So what would be, if someone wanted to, you know, try this out, what would be your, two best tips for getting started? Well, I think that um, commit to 30 days, come hell or high water. Mm-hmm. And because that's, that's going to show you the true, like your true ability, right? Because a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't have a trigger problem. It doesn't, but I, I don't, yeah, this, this doesn't really even resonate with me. I'm like, okay, go 30 days. And, um, and not have any alcohol, no matter what the engagement. And what I found is most people are like, hey, you're right. 
the social obligation is hard. Because even if you're not somebody who like comes home every night and like knocks down a couple beers or has a couple glasses of wine, if you're the person who rarely ever drinks, but when the social situation comes, you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it that, that's when you'll kind of run into it. Because usually most people, unless you're a hermit, have something social every 30 day, you know, within 30 day period. Yeah. So what I would say is schedule 30 days. And so for me personally, when I knew I was going to quit was like last August, but I knew I had Labor Day weekend coming up, which is like a big deal on the lake I lived on at the time. Um, I had family coming to town, like a whole crew that hang out, we drink beer and the boat and swim and go to the pool and go to the lake. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to wait till Monday, not before the week. I didn't want to be like Debbie Downer for the weekend, like, hey, I quit drinking guys and kind of ruin the fun. So I waited till afterwards, but I still had some challenges for the next 30 days. So I would say pick Pick a 30-day period that you can commit to, um, it, but commit to it without exception. And then I think, um, you know, the key thing is, you know, it just it varies on, on every individual. But if you're somebody who regularly drinks and regularly has social obligations, one of the key things is having sort of a backstory or a reason. Uh, I think part of who we are as people is we like stories. So like the storytellers usually do the best with convincing people. So, you know, my story was, Hey, it's kind of the, my summer detox, just give myself 30 day cleanup. People are like, okay. So whatever it might be, you can say, Hey, I, I did a bet with a girlfriend um, or whatever you could, you and Sean are like, Hey, we're going to do a 30 day, no drinking. You know, mm-hmm. and you tell your friends that and they're gonna be like, oh, cool. Oh, it's cool. It's cute. You guys are doing that. And then people are kind of behind you as opposed to like in front of you trying to say, question you. Why, why are you doing that? What's, you know, what's that? You know, and for us, I think being in the fitness industry, it's a lot easier um, than folks that are not because it is a normal thing for us to not drink, right? Whether it's you're planning for a competition or a vacation or a, a, some sort of transformation or something like that. So I think that the two the two things I would say is pick a 30 30 days to commit to. Because if you can't commit to those 30 days, that's when you kind of have to take a couple steps back. And that's where the book can really help with how you actually can navigate through those 30 days, 60 days, and then 90 days. And, um, and the first thing I think is having a solid reason, purpose, excuse, story uh, as to why you're going to take that 30 days so you can answer those questions before they come yeah that makes sense yeah no, that totally makes sense um yeah that's and i mean especially we've got you know there's thanksgiving coming up you know the holidays are coming up so i mean if anyone's going to be listening to us and thinking of starting right away they're going to be put right into the eye of the storm almost with uh, right. so many you know parties and work parties that are going to be coming up i know a lot of people have their holiday parties as early as november so yeah, this is uh, so, <laughs> so, and so with that, and, and for sure, and my team, uh, with Better Than the Binge, we're working on uh, a 30, 60, 90 day challenge that we're going to kind of get people to sign up for starting January 1 because it, it, it's tough, right? And yeah. especially unless, unless you're like, hey, Adam, I just lost my job, help me. Like, like, give me some advice. I need to quit drinking. Like, what can I do? Like, I can pull the the emergency conversation and steps into somebody. I think depending on 
individual situation to kind of help do that because I've had to do that, unfortunately. But fortunately, um, it's worked for those folks too. Uh, but we're we're going to put together sort of a challenge that will kick off the first of the year to, to kind of get people to do it and kind of be part of a community that can inspire each other to just kind of go and remove alcohol. I think long term, I'm kind of betting that alcohol is going to become like the next smoking, um, and it may be ten years down the road. But I think there's a lot of the younger generation, I have a handful of folks I mentor in that like 19 to 22 age. And the, the ones that really care about their future, that are really ambitious, that, you know, their entrepreneurial mindset, things like that, health conscious, they don't drink and they, they frown upon it. They don't hang out with people that drink. And, and it's cool to see that because it, it wasn't really like that when I was that age. It was more like we drink, you know, we party. I mean, I saw so many kids that, you know, when I was growing up that were like just awesome in high school, top athletes, you know, valedictorian at the, the, the school. And then they get to college outside of mom and dad babysitting them. And they're in an environment where it's drink, 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 drink. And they, and they really wreck their lives. Yeah. And uh, they're coming home early. They're not finishing school and, and, and those kind of things. And maybe living a subpar life to what they thought they were going to. And a lot of it was due to, alcohol and and that social obligation and so it's it's good for me to see i think there is a change in that not 100 percent, but there's a change and and i think that it's going to move away from like like just getting drunk and binge drinking just isn't going to be cool you know having a couple drinks sure socially but the binge drinking is hopefully on its way out yeah i mean you would think so that's definitely something you mentioned there as well with smoking and, you know, I've noticed that as well, too, with the younger generations. It's just you don't see all the smokers that you used to see, you know, growing up and outside and, and smoking on the corners and stuff, you know, by the, the malls and whatever. And it's just it's just a anomaly to, to, you know, to see anyone smoking nowadays almost. Well, there, there's just a major shame that goes along with it. And, and yeah. rightfully it should because it's just not how there's nothing. There's nothing good about cigarettes, right? There's, yeah. there's no, I mean, if it's marijuana, it's, you know, there's medical marijuana. Like there's there's certain things that you can find, but like cigarettes are like, come on, there's nothing. And then if you really look at it, alcohol with the same lens, there really isn't, other than what we've created, right? That social, um, <coughs> excuse me, that social crutch, that social atmosphere. The tailgate, the football games, the concerts, the "I love you, man" Budweiser type stuff. Yeah, but it, it, it's not really real, right? Just like smoking was the coolest thing to do. Doctors were behind it, right? Yeah. And and I think we're as become as we become more aware and more educated as a society, um, I think we're going to see that alcohol is just not that beneficial, and will be gradually making its way out. Yeah, well, at least on the good on the good side, at least a, a cab a good a good cab still tastes better than a mouthful of cigarette smoke. In the meantime, till that happens, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and it's still even. It's funny. Like last, I got a, my wife a bottle of wine that looked interesting, and I, and I actually poured it for her, and I smelled it. And I was like, man, but that wine tastes good. You know, but it, but that's it. That's like the most it ever gets to where I'm like, I bet you that tastes good. But I just you know I don't I don't. I don't drink it. You know, I just am like, I don't care. And I, I gave it to her. I was like, 
how is it? I was like, it's a little oaky. And she's like, yeah, it is. She's like, it's really smooth. And I was like, oh. It's like in my head, I, hey, I drink enough wine. <laughs> in my head, I'm like, I know what that, I know what that tastes like. That tastes good. Yeah. And, you know, and that's it. And it's just kind of like a, it's like if you're, you know, girlfriend's ordering dessert and she's got this cheesecake with caramel, like, you know what that probably tastes like, right? You don't have to have a bite. Yeah. And uh, so that's like the, the closest I ever come to missing it or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, just let your imagination uh, take the wheel on that one. Right. Right. So, so I find it, um, this to me, because I've heard of so many writers actually, you know, admitting that uh, they've got kind of like a routine of what they do to uh, get in the mood to write. And it might include, you know, alcohol. It might include a little bit of marijuana. It might include a little bit of prescription drugs, you know. Um, that help get them into that creative writing process. So being that um, you don't drink alcohol, what um, did you find it hard to get yourself into a, a writing process for this book? This is a good question. And I think the what potentially makes me a bit more unique than um, some of those individuals is, uh, you know, there's an old boss of mine said to me, Draft the email when you've been drinking, but don't send it until you're sober. Mm-hmm. And, and it, with the meaning being like, yeah, there's some good creativity and, and you, mo- you might be more likely to just really express yourself um, and to get those things out, whether it's through alcohol or, you know, pot or something like that. And I think for me, is I've spent a ton of time and still do on that self-awareness, which is really what the foundation of this book it kind of is about. Um and really like knowing myself, right? And so I'm 37 years old and probably up until like the last couple of years. Um, and I think a lot of people would probably admit the same thing even to themselves is that it's hard to just be yourself, right? Because we're in a society where we're constantly judged and we got to like put on this show or act a certain way. And, and for myself, like I've spent a lot of time, a lot of reading, just really getting to know me. Um, and so being able to do that and not judge yourself uh, really opens the door. And that's why I think helped open the door for me to be able to quit drinking because as opposed to worrying about what everyone else is going to think or that kind of stuff, it's just like, it, it's so f- freeing to be, a, to, to, to just not have that um, kind of barrier in, in your life. And so I think for me personally, spending a lot of time on mindfulness and self-awareness um, and really like, coming to terms with your strengths, your weaknesses, um, what controls you, what doesn't bother you, things like that, has allowed me to kind of just open up, right? And and so I think in being able to be empathetic in different situations allows me to, to think about others and, and change my perspective. And those kind of things really help me from a creativity standpoint, whether it's a blog or, you know, writing this book or uh, creating a, a camp ad campaign for you know a, a supplement or something like that, and so in doing so, it that that's probably the key part of it. But I think most people do struggle with that because we kind of live underneath the our exterior uh, barriers where that's where, where that alcohol comes in. Where it's like ah, I, I, I can let go of the exterior world that's kind of on top of me and things like that. And so I've personally spent a lot of time with just like really addressing self-awareness and that's what's helped me um, 
to not need a substance to become creative. And uh, like I said earlier, if there's two things I would say that I'm good at at solving problems and, and being creative. And a lot of it just comes from like not having those limitations, barriers, and, and seeing life a little bit differently than I think most people do. Yeah. So where do you um, where do you find what situations are you do you use I should say that uh, tap into that creativity? Like, do you find that kind of hour is your is during your workouts? Uh, do you you know have a um, gratitude journal that you use? Like anything like that? Like what uh, sort of tools or situations do you use to put yourself into a more creative space? That's, uh, that's a great question. And I, I read a lot. So I think that that really helps and I actually do more of the audio book than, than actually physically reading, which is, which is funny. Uh, me having a physical book that and I prefer to do audio books. Yeah. I'll be recording one at the first of the year, but um, that doing, doing that. So when I work out most of the time I listen to books. So I, uh, my goal is to do a book a week um, on like a audio book. And I did that for the last couple of years, and that's really helped um, do it. Or just um, looking into something, reading something, uh, researching something that I don't know much about uh, helps me kind of inspire thought of different levels of creativity, right? Like you can research some uh, ancient city that was found off Egypt, was like some article I was reading today. And it can just inspire your brain to kind of get outside of the box, if that makes sense. Um, And and those are the kind of things that trigger it for me, as opposed to, you know, I don't, it's supposed to like, if you're watching news and sports and news and sports and you're gossiping and having this, like your, your ability to get outside of like what we all talk about is super limited. And so when you put yourself outside of those things, um, like I said, it's taking years to, to, to do this for me easily, but it, it, it's just doing those kind of things, like just forcing your brain outside of the box, and that can then lead to kind of like the rabbit hole of different thoughts. Um, I know you mentioned a gratitude journal, and I don't do that specifically, but what I found myself doing is, and it's it's a, a trigger that I developed that I share with people usually if they ask, is no matter what in life, like it's hard to not get angry or frustrated or annoyed or confused, you know, like someone cuts you off or you're like, why is that dude driving so slow? Or like, what's this lady doing? Why is it like the ATM shouldn't take eight minutes? What are you doing? And so what I, what I started doing like two years ago is whenever I was in a, call a challenging situation um, is when I found myself starting to get frustrated I would immediately go to gratitude. I would just be so thankful, like thinking of my daughter, how cute she is, how fun, like my son in soccer game last week and how great he played, you know, how wonderful my relationship is with my wife. And when you dig back into that gratitude, those, this is a little off topic, but those, um, but it does help you deal with not drinking, uh, that eventually those triggers happen naturally. And, and you could ask my wife, like, I don't even get mad. It's almost frustrating. We don't even argue because it's not. I, I won't even engage. And, it, and yeah. it's neat. And, and a lot of this has come from quitting alcohol because I just you deal with. You just learn to deal with every single thing you have to without a substance helping you. And then not only do you deal with it, 
but you learn to deal with it better. And going to that gratitude, like you mentioned, I was glad to hear you mentioned a gratitude journal. But so, and I would tell you to try if you can take away something from this. Every time you find yourself getting frustrated, go to the things you're grateful for, like in your mind, and just get that feeling of gratitude. And then those things that make you mad eventually don't even, you don't even feel them. You just will like find yourself standing in line waiting for someone in front of you who's taking too long or whatever, and you just are like smiling at yourself like a crazy person. But enjoy life, right? You only get one shot. Why be pissed all the time, right? Why be impatient all the time? Why be frustrated all the time? Just be happy and know that like, hey, there's nothing I can do to control the situation in front of me. I can control my reaction. And so it's a little off topic, but you know, maybe there's some additional uh, stuff for the listeners and yourself to take away from. yeah, no, definitely. Show. I think it all plays in together, and I find those situations like that. You know, it's usually for myself. I mean, I, I don't use like the gratitude in those situations, but usually, whatever situation I'm confronted with is usually something that needs to be sharpened and you know needs more teachings on. So it's like, okay, if it's the grocery lineups taking too long, you know, this is teaching me patience. If this is going on, this is teaching me that. If this is going on, and you just take it as it is because it's. You, you can always control how you react to the situation. You have no control over the situation, so it's no use of, you know, getting your frustrations up and worked up over it, you know, so. 100%. And that's stuff when you can, when you have control like that, it allows you to actually move faster and smoother because, you know, if the guy bringing in your stuff at the groceries is so long and you're kind of in a hurry, he's taking his time, and then you're mad about that, you're mad in the parking lot, you're mad in the car, you, know, you might get home and then you're kind of a little on edge and you might not uh, greet your spouse with like, a, hey, babe, how are you? You might be like, hey, you know, you know and you just got a chip and then it just spills into yeah. more of your time. And uh, you can't, you can't let, I always say you can't let someone steal your joy and, and all that stuff, like what we're talking about, really came front page to me um, after quitting alcohol. Because I had to deal with the shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's the easiest way to put it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, had to, own, had to own the shit. And yeah, I mean, this has been awesome. It's been a really interesting conversation with you because, like I said, this has been something that, um, like I said, I was just freshly speaking with with my girlfriend. And to speak to someone who's not only living it every day but is out there you know inspiring and empowering other people to take this step is just awesome so thank you so much adam for taking the time to be on my show today and i will definitely have all the information available to all of my listeners where they can purchase your book and where they can get updates of course for that challenge that you mentioned that's going to be coming up in january Absolutely. Yeah, and I had a blast. It was great talking with you, and, and thank you for uh, expressing interest in the topic and, and kind of spreading the word. Because I think it's it's a it's a it's a topic that is sometimes uncomfortable. And I think the more that we show, like, hey, it's okay to talk about this um, and take it a step further and make more comfort around potentially removing alcohol or being self aware of your alcohol consumption, uh, it's just going to make it better better place for everyone absolutely no it's almost 2018 this should not be a taboo topic by any means at this point and i think you're definitely paving the way for that cool well thank you so much mindy it was a pleasure uh looks forward to speaking with you soon all right everybody and if you want to get your copy of better than the binge you can find 
Better Than The Binge on Amazon, or you can go to betterthanthebinge.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. If you believe you're unfuckwithable, go ahead and share this podcast. podcast.